Thank you, my dark flock, for listening to The Raven's Post. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Raven's Post. R-A-V-A-N-S. Now sit back and enjoy the story. The Perfect Gift, Yard Sale Finds by Melody Carter I loved yard sales, I could easily spend hours digging through used odds and ends in hopes of finding that one thing that'd spark my interest. I stopped at a little white house in a subdivision that was having such a sale. The house was in bad repair, with shingles, sagging and paint peeling. I was uneasy about stepping onto the porch, it looked like it wouldn't hold my weight. But there were all kinds of items on display, spread out on blankets and in the weed-choked grass. To be honest, I was on the hunt for something for my eight-year-old daughter, Danielle. She'd been promoted to third grade and I wanted to surprise her. Nothing caught my eye until I spied a box of toys marked ten cents each or whole box for two dollars. Eagerly digging through the dirty cardboard box, I found stuffed animals, dolls, plastic food, board games and marbles. There was one doll in particular in the box, it had blonde short hair and wore an outfit from the 1950s, it read Burping Betty and she was the ugliest doll I'd ever seen. I figured Danielle would end up throwing the doll away. It looked as if the maker had tried to mold and paint Burping Betty as Marilyn Monroe but something had gone wrong. Those were my daughter's toys, a woman's voice said softly. I glanced up to see a lady in a stained purple jogging suit that was clearly too big for her and her hair had streaks of grey, although she looked to be only in her early thirties. She had an air of tragedy about her, as if life had steamrolled over her recently. I nodded at her in acknowledgement. She off to college now and has no use for dolls and things anymore, right? I asked. The woman in the jogging suit shook her head no. She's got no more use for toys, but college isn't where she's at. Jogging suit lady's lips were trembling and she had her arms crossed as if the wind had blown over her grave. I was feeling a little uneasy, but decided not to press her, it wasn't really any of my business. I paid her two dollars for the entire box of toys and took my leave. I put it in the back seat of my car and drove on. Only a few minutes had passed before I started to hear a whisper in the car. Switching the radio off, I listened again. There it was, a faint but definitely there whisper. Where was it coming from? No one was in the car with me and I'd shut off the all 80s, all the time station I'd been listening to. I couldn't make out the words and yet it was an excited whisper, followed by a giggle. What in the hell? Then as the giggling continued, I seemed to lose control over the car. The steering wheel was useless in my hands and the brakes weren't working. Beginning to panic, I pumped the brakes and wondered if God was going to let me see Danielle ever again alive. The car fishtailed and smashed into a pine tree beside the road. I don't know how I wasn't hurt. I only know that by the time I looked down from my view in the driver's seat, 
that burping Betty was no longer in the box with the other toys. She'd been in the bottom of it, sort of buried by teddy bears and board games. Now though, she was under my seat, staring up at me from the floorboard with her smile of pure joy. When the police and ambulance arrived, they were astounded to find I wasn't hurt at all. My car was totaled, like a crushed tuna can. Yet I was fine except for some scratches on my face when the windshield broke. My sister, Yolanda, came not long after I called her and she had Danielle with her. Mama, you're all right. Danielle cried and wrapped her arms around my waist. Thought I'd lost you, Millie. My sister said. You almost did, I told her soberly. We all stood there looking at the remains of my car. The brakes had been fine when I'd stopped at that last yard sale. Completely fine? Had someone tampered with the brake line? I didn't see how that was possible, though I'd only had my back turned for a few minutes. Besides, an act like that was cold-blooded and plotted out, not something you did to a stranger. A policeman approached the three of us, carrying the box of toys I'd bought earlier. Burping Betty was on the top of the toy pile and I wished she'd been destroyed in the wreck. A tingle crept across my skin at the sight of her bleached curly blonde hair and her cheerful wardrobe from the Elvis era. Her smile seemed like a mocking to me. I told myself I was being irrational, it was just a stupid plastic doll that was older than I was. A piece of plastic doesn't have emotions or intentions. Ooh, where'd you find her? My sister Yolanda asked. She picked up the doll and cradled it. Millie, I've heard of these burping Bettys but they're rare. I don't know, the woman had she tossed in with the rest of the stuff. I'm going to throw her in the trash, I think, she's not my thing. Danielle and Yolanda both tried to talk me out of it Yolanda, because she figured the doll was worth a lot of money, Danielle, because she felt sorry for its ugliness. I was outvoted and it rode home with us in Yolanda's car while a tow truck towed away my wrecked car. Danielle immediately gave Burping Betty a home in her bedroom on a shelf above the bed. The hours passed and as she and I sat watching SpongeBob SquarePants after dinner, the TV began to fade out. Then none of the channels worked and I turned it off. Danielle's mood had gone from being grateful that I was okay to being testy. She complained at the house being cold and so I went up to her room to get her a blanket so she'd be comfortable as we played checkers in the den. Burping Betty wasn't on the shelf anymore but maybe Danielle had put her somewhere else. In the meantime, I grabbed a blanket from Danielle's closet and covered my nose and mouth, for out of nowhere a smell of something rotting assailed my nostrils. What in the hell was that stink? It reminded me of a cat that had been killed in the road, but why did the house reek of it? I coughed and took her the blanket. Later, after we'd gone to bed, I was awoken by my daughter's screams and moans down the hallway. Pushing her door open and turning on her light, I rushed to her to wake her up. Mama. It it was a woman, she she held me down and an ccc cut me. I hugged her close and reassured her it was a dream, just a dream. Strange, though, on Danielle's side table next to her bed, there were tiny footprints. 
They weren't poor prints, as if our cat jelly roll had walked on the table. They were more like the trail of a very small human, leading to Danielle's pillow and disappearing. And that smell of something rotting was hanging in the air again. Danielle asked me where I'd put burping Betty, she wanted to snuggle with her so she could go back to sleep. But neither of us knew where she was. My opportunity to destroy burping Betty didn't come like I'd hoped. At least, not right away. It was as if Danielle or whatever was controlling her sensed my intent. Danielle put the doll into her backpack the next morning, chattering away to it about how the rest of the girls in her class were going to love the doll. She gave me an angry look when I attempted to hug her goodbye, and pushed away as she raced towards the school bus. When had my daughter ever been so hostile? She hasn't been. I told myself, it's that damn doll, I wish I'd never brought it into our lives. I tried to busy myself with one of my paintings, since I had a showing at a gallery downtown in just two weeks. I couldn't concentrate, though. The canvas in front of me remained blank and I felt an unease, like an itch you can't quite get to, but it's there and driving you insane. After 45 minutes of nothing, I was putting my paints and easel back onto the sun porch when my cell phone scared the daylights out of me. It was Danielle's principal at the school, requesting that I come and collect her. There's been an incident between Danielle and another girl, was all he'd say. My mind ran amok with all kinds of possibilities what in the hell had happened. She'd been an almost straighter student and had a large circle of little girl friends at Bear Cave Elementary. Sometimes I envied my daughter in her ability to connect with people easily, because I didn't. And for her to be in a fight was unthinkable, it was a mistake. When I reached the school, I found her sitting sullenly in a chair in the principal's office. She had her arms tightly wrapped around burping Betty as if to protect the doll, but somehow, I doubted Betty needed protection. It was us who needed to be guarded against her. Was it my imagination or was Danielle's face pale, almost sickly looking? There were dark circles under her eyes, as if she hadn't slept in days. Miss Collins, the principal began, after I was seated, your daughter got mad at Annie Davis for laughing at her, and then pinched Annie till she had blue marks all over her body and smacked her around quite a bit. Danielle isn't normally an aggressive child, I know? But I'm going to have to suspend her for two weeks for bullying. We don't tolerate that here. There was an awkward silence in my car until I looked at Danielle in the rearview mirror. Tell me what happened, young lady. She shrugged nonchalantly. Annie laughed at Betty and called her the ugliest doll she'd ever seen. So Betty taught her a lesson. She pinched Annie and slapped her till she fell on the floor. It was funny. They thought I did it. I shuddered as I felt a cold chill pass through me. Danielle felt no remorse for what had been done and what's more, she seemed to relish and enjoy it and didn't mind taking the blame. An expression of hatred and cruelty crossed my daughter's face for a second, then was gone and she watched out the car windows at the scenery passing by. But the expression was there long enough for me to crank the heater up on a 70-degree afternoon. That night, after Danielle had gone to sleep, I snuck into her room, 
took burping Betty from the bed, and carried it with me downstairs. I'd been holding my breath the entire time, praying Danielle wouldn't wake up. I got to the kitchen, rummaged around till I found a clean garbage bag, then thrust the doll into it, tying a knot at the opening. Then I went outside and heaved it into the trash can. Let's see you laugh now, you little plastic bitch. I whispered. I don't think I'd ever been so glad in my life to see the garbage man the next morning. I watched to make sure the bag with the doll in it was picked up. Sure enough, it was thrown into the back of the truck with the other trash. Maybe now, mine and Danielle's lives could get back to normal. She was frantic all day, looking for the doll and turning the house upside down in her search. I pretended to not know anything about it. It wasn't until the afternoon when I went out to the sun porch to do some painting that I had to stifle my scream of horror and disgust. The doll was seated on my stool in front of my easel as if she belonged there. And my painting of the old barn I'd been working on for weeks for the gallery showing it was splattered, ruined by streaks of grey paint. Danielle came out to look to see why I'd screamed. She didn't seem very surprised that the doll was back. She took Betty into her arms and her eyes were dead and blank, like a doll's. You tried to separate us, mommy, she said calmly, her voice as flat as her eyes looked. You were told not to do that. I screamed again then, not caring if it brought the neighbors or the cops. And so it kept on me throwing the doll away, only to have it return the next day, then by the third time, I gave up and sat staring hatefully at the thing. Burping, Betty smirked back at me with her glassy blue eyes and bow-shaped mouth. She was all covered in soil, coffee grounds, and other tidbits of garbage and rolled her eyes at me. You lose? She giggled in a tinny voice and bit my arm, causing me to drop her and scream. She continued laughing as she laid on the floor. I picked her up and threw her hard at the living room wall, where she bounced off the fireplace mantle. That shut her up, or at least, it seemed. Danielle's dad was coming to pick her up for the weekend, and he arrived that afternoon not long after my chat with the doll. Danielle ran to yank burping Betty away from me so she could take it with her. That was until Nathan decided it was too filthy for his expensive, just been through the wash car. Leave it here with your mother, Nathan told her, wrinkling his nose in disgust. But daddy, I love her, and she needs me. You've got nicer toys than that, he told her. Over Danielle's head, he directed his next comment at me. So, you've got her playing with crap from out of the garbage. I folded my arms and felt my temper rise. For your information, it came from a yard sale. And I wish I'd never seen it. Danielle was now angry at both of us for being mean to Betty and said we'd be sorry. Nathan scoffed at her remark and rushed her to his car to leave. He left the doll with me, and I watched them go. The yard sale of course. I left burping Betty at home and drove several miles to see if I could find the woman I'd gotten the box of toys from, I couldn't remember her name, in my mind she was jogging suit lady. I did, however, remember where her house was and pulled up half an hour later. The house's porch sagged even more than the first time I'd seen it. An empty rocking chair was pushed gently by the wind. At first, 
I didn't think anybody was home. It had the air of death and sorrow I felt it standing on the porch as I hoped my weight would hold, and felt it again as the jogging suit lady opened the door, her shoulders bent and eyes devoid of any joy. Her hair was greyer than the first time I'd met her, and her voice was thin, having a defeated quality to it. She didn't seem to recognize me. I was wondering if I could talk to you about a doll, I began, a blonde burping Betty doll I bought from you a few weeks ago. Jogging suit lady backed away and attempted to slam the door in my face. I stuck my foot out, preventing her from doing so. Please. I need you to help me my my daughter's in danger. Jogging suit lady thought a moment, then reluctantly nodded and allowed me in. The first thing I learned was her name, Ruby, and that burping Betty had been her daughter's doll. Ruby had gotten it from a friend, who'd pushed it into her hands at a birthday party like it was castor oil instead of an antique toy. Ruby and her little girl, Joyce, hadn't known of the entity dwelling in the doll. But they had come to realize it soon enough, and Ruby had grown to fear it. It wasn't long before burping Betty had almost total control of six-year-old Joyce. After destroying Ruby's items the same way she destroyed my painting, burping Betty had persuaded Joyce to stand in the street one afternoon. Joyce's blank face hadn't seemed to register the truck full of teenage boys rushing along, nor the impact of her body being struck. The boys had stopped to apologize and call an ambulance, but Joyce was gone, although girlish laughter was heard. Burping Betty's plastic smirk was splattered with Joyce's blood in the road, and Ruby shuddered at the memory as she told it to me. It was like the damned thing was sipping every drop, she said. From that time on, Ruby had one illness after another and lost her job. The doll had ruined her, more or less. The friend who'd pushed the doll into her arms before urged her to pass it on. And that was what she left me with take the curse and get rid of it, let visit upon someone else. I didn't care for the idea at all, it sounded irresponsible and stupid. But I wanted my daughter back, badly, and would do anything to help her. Because if she had the doll much longer, she would have the same end as little Joyce. I went home, packed up burping Betty and took her to a church donation box, and left her there. A weeping sound emitted from where I'd tossed her. Now you lose, I said to the doll. Thank you for tuning into the Raven's Post. If you have any stories you have written you would like to feature on an upcoming episode, please email me at raven, R-A-V-A-N, podcast78 at gmail.com.